steal at center as Eichel lifted a stick. The free puck to Petrangelo in his own zone. Stretch pass. Eichel is in with a cutter. Third man Martinez scores! Alec Martinez, 3-1 Golden Knights. Nobody is ever satisfied with one, so we're back for a second hour of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Bennett looking cross-eye, Stone intercepts. This time he sends it down in a waffle and go into the goal! It's a hat-trick! Mark Stone, the captain, makes it 8-3 Golden Knights with six minutes to go in the third period. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studio and live at LVSportsNetwork.com, here is Ryan Wallace. Rolling along, hour number two of HK Insider Show. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman, back in the saddle. Big thanks to Nick Raboni. UNLV Rebel Hockey joining us in hour number one. Thanks to all of the callers, listeners, fantastic stuff. Diane, probably with the call of the day. Mike touched on a really interesting hot take, and I'll get to more of that in one-timers a little bit later on. We found out Chris Chapman just will not turn down a dare. Well, no, 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 no. I, I will turn it down now. but You'll turn it down now. At the at at the time, nineteen year old Chapman was not one to turn down dares. Put a, put a, put a percentage on it. Like today at forty four, how many dares do you turn down? I pretty much turn down all of them. Like ninety nine percent of them. Like yeah, like like there's there there's there's some things I would do probably, but at this okay. point, yeah, there's there's like if if I'm at the pier in Newport Beach today uh-huh. and someone dares me, okay, no way. Well, yeah, obviously. You don't do you, you did that once. You don't have to yeah. do it again. And you know, like like we were talking in the break. Mm-hmm. The worst part about that mm-hmm. was swimming back. I bet because a it was it was really really far. Yeah. And b it's it's actually a, l- a little bit stronger current than you than you would anticipate. It's, it's yeah. a rough ocean. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, hit me at Ryan Hockey Guy at Magnum Seven O Two or at for Fox Sports LV. Come up with a dare for Chapman. Now, listen, I'm not going to say Chapman has to do the dare, but if there's a sufficient dare that fits into the wheelhouse of dares Chapman will do at 44. Oh, man. Hit us with your best dare for Chris Chapman. Again, at Ryan Hockey Guy, <laughs> at Magnum 702. And we might be able to convince Chris Chapman to do a dare before the end of the week. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Yeah, there, there's a real possibility. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Depending on what it is. If it's let's let's put it this way, if it's something I have a really high probability of surviving, sure, there is a real chance I'll do it. Well, like it, it can't be feed a mountain lion. Like we're not going to do something <laughs> like that. We're no. not going to put you in jeopardy. But it's got to be something that you know has a little bit of fear attached to it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned the mountain lion years ago. I yeah. guess about five or six years ago, I was up on Mount Charleston. Okay. And I was hiking, and it was cold. There was some snow and ice on the ground, mm-hmm. and I came across a mountain lion paw. In, oh, wow. That was frozen yeah. in the ground. Mm-hmm. Let's just put it this way. I would not want to encounter that fella. No, it'd be terrifying for you. Well, I'd be, I there's a lot of carbs in Chapman. That that mountain lion would not need to eat for a while if if he would have or she would have caught up to me. I, I think they're probably more interested in your muscle mass. I don't think they're interested in the carbohydrates well, that well, are coursing the, through your body. The, the the good news for them or for me then is I don't really have much muscle mass. So well, there you go. <laughs> it's it's natural insulation <laughs> yeah. from mountain being lion attacks predator, from being a prey. <laughs> it's good stuff. I, I will say right now, Fox Sports is 
the Station of Champions, and the Las Vegas Aces are set to start their title defense Wednesday right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Tune in at 6.30 p.m. as the Aces take on the Chicago Sky in Game 1 of their first-round series. The Aces looking to go back-to-back in the WNBA. Game number one will be here on the radio, 6.30 p.m. on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Just a programming note there for you. Again, Fox Sports, the station of champions. Dude, they went 34-6. and six. Yeah, that's insane. That's incredible. That's unbelievable. 34-6. <laughs> and six. And so we we turn our attention now to, you know, I, mean, I don't want to go like too deep into expectations for the Golden Knights, but I, I think that managing expectations coming off of a championship season are important, right? Like we, we talk about Vegas and, you know, there's a lot of boasting to be had right now. And there's a lot of boasting that should be done by everybody, fans, media members that, you know, can, can be a little bit less impartial. Uh, I'm, I'm mainly talking about me and you, right? Like we have the right in this moment based on our proximity to the team, partnerships, everything we have, the ability to be boastful. We have the ability to look at the season and say, okay, you know what? You look at the Pacific Division. I'm not too worried about a lot in terms of the Pacific Division. I think there's a path there for the Golden Knights to be not just a playoff team, but again, a playoff team that goes on a deep run. What are your expectations going into the season for Vegas? Well, I'll start by saying I don't think it was a fluke that they won the Stanley Cup. Like sometimes you get these these fluky teams that mm-hmm. go on a, a ridiculous run. Like the Florida Panthers. Well, that I, I was going to say like the St. Louis Blues. See, the the Blues are interesting because I don't I don't classify that team as a fluke. They, they were in last place in January. Okay, they haven't really been a a a contender since. Do you remember the discourse on St. Louis going into that season? They didn't have a Every, goalie. No, everybody looked at that team like they were contenders. They just had to figure out goaltending. And say what you will about Jordan Binnington, he figured out their goaltending. For 16 games. You know what? That's all it takes. Yeah, yeah. But- now, I I don't classify them as a fluke because you've got the likes of David Perron, Braden Shen, Ryan O'Reilly, Alex Petrangelo. Like, there were legitimately good pieces, and they were a good team after it, they just couldn't get it done. Well, in the they, they, I think they lost in the first round the next year. Well, that was COVID. Right? Okay. And it but was, they've, they've and it never was, been a serious contender. It since. was it was the bubble. And it was, you know, an upstart Vancouver Canucks that took the world by storm. Fair enough. But but that, they, I, I, that didn't happen. It was Vancouver, but they didn't take the world. by Well, storm. they almost did. They then almost they ran into Vegas. the Golden Knights. <laughs> they almost beat Vegas. Well, almost and, and actually doing it are very different things. But. I digress. I, I I I don't think the Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup was a fluke. Mm-hmm. I think they're built in a way that will allow them to contend once again for a Stanley Cup. Look, the reality is it's very, very difficult to repeat. I mean, what the Tampa Bay Lightning have done. Here, here, here's the question I ask. I mean, I know the Lightning were the best team those two years, but they did it in a bubble, mm-hmm. and then they did it in a shortened season. Oh. I'm not, no, no, I'm, I'm not going there. I'm just putting it out oh, there that, that oh, that's a, that's the reality. It's a thing that exists. Are you? What are you saying? I'm saying that they probably there's a, there's a chance that they don't repeat in that in that situation because it's so hard to repeat. It was the perfect storm for them. And look, they had the cap circumvention, the 56 game season. There, there, there were some things that, that broke their way that allowed that put them in a position to repeat. 
I feel like you're trying to say something more. No, no, I'm not, because I, I still feel like they were the best team those two years. Mm-hmm. I just think that the likelihood of them repeating is smaller if it's under normal, just because it's so. So what, so what you're saying is, like, look at the, look at the Colorado Avalanche, right? Like, like well, they were so Colorado, good, but Colorado's a different story. But they ran into a bunch of injuries. They they played an entire season without their captain. Yeah, so, that, so that's a completely different story. Like, but they played a full I, season. I get what you're saying in terms of, okay, well, you look at the fact that they played a tournament in a bubble. Like, how much are you looking at that and saying, you know, this is the best team that won in that situation? They they had to manage a lot, the Tampa Bay Lightning, to win that first championship in the bubble, dealing with the isolation, all of it. Like, that that was a a between-the-ears championship more than probably any other championship. The only thing I'm saying is it, it – it So what you're saying is if it were – Regular 82-game schedules and regular postseason, you don't think that those two teams would have repeated? I'm not saying I don't think they would have. I'm just saying that there's there's more of an opportunity for something to go bad mm-hmm. in, well, that, in that situation. I mean, they played an entire season without Nikita Kucherov. Yeah, but it was a 56-game season. It's still a whole season. Every game matters more because there's less of them. Yeah, but you're talking about 26 extra games. What I'm saying is every game is magnified. No, I, because I, 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 but they they were able to overcome you that. You didn't have your best player. But they had so many other good players. Yeah. I nice. just think, and, and look, they, 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 they made it back the following season, and they yeah. lost. Yeah. Oh, so you're saying they're, they did play an 82-game season. And they lost. Regular circumstances, and they made it to the final and lost. To a better Colorado Avalanche team. Well, they lost because they were banged up. But that's that kind of proves my point. There was there sure. was more opportunity for. But that's three years in a row now. I know, but but I, I'm not saying that they wouldn't have won. Uh huh. I still think they were the best team. Gosh, I want to paint you into this corner so bad. I'm not going there because look, I I, I think John Cooper mm-hmm. was the right guy. Sure. Clearly, they had the goalie who was in the zone, unbeatable for for those almost three full seasons. Mm-hmm. But getting back to the Golden Knights, okay. I think they've proven that they can win without Mark Stone in the regular season, mm-hmm. right? They exercise that demon because okay. I feel like yep. two years ago that was that was a, a big, and you have the adjustment of Jack Eichel, but well, Jack Eichel I, entered a zone last year. Well, you had Jack Eichel comfortable with the Vegas Golden Knights, right? Right, like you had Jack Eichel in a, in a spot where he had been there from training camp. He he kind of grew into what you needed from him, and then you go out and you make a. You make a big splash at the trade deadline. Like, you bring in Ivan Barbashev, and, and I know it wasn't immediate chemistry with Barbashev and, and Eichel and, and Marcheseau, but there were enough pieces to kind of move things around that you were able to keep winning games without Mark Stone. To me, you know, we, you look at this coming season, and the question is it's always going to be, and it should be for every single team that ever plays in the National Hockey League, how healthy are you going to be? Well, that's, it, that's the key. And how equipped are you to deal with injuries as they arise over the course of the year? And I think that that's going to be, again, kind of a big story for the Golden Knights. Mark Stone was on a completely different level in the postseason. And it took him four periods to get there. Yeah. It took him four (laughs) periods to to go from, you're not really sure what you're going to get out of Mark Stone, to, oh my goodness, that's Mark Stone, and he is every bit the guy that's going to change the fortune. But I think Mark Stone is is mentally built different than a lot of guys. 
Oh, 100%. Like, like he, he is an unbelievable competitor. Mm-hmm. Like, I would love to see what he's like playing golf because sure. I would imagine he's, he's highly, highly competitive and he's going to celebrate mm-hmm. on the golf course. Mm-hmm. But what separates the Golden Knights for me from everyone, especially in the Pacific Division and, and I think the Western Conference in general, while I don't think they have the best blue line, they have the deepest blue line in the league. I mean, you've got a guy like Ben Hutton who would probably be playing valuable minutes for a lot of teams in the NHL. Unless someone gets hurt, he doesn't see the ice. Well, you're talking about Braden Pahal, who's right there too. Like you, you, Daniil Miramanov is, is going to factor into this. You're you're what nine, ten deep. Yeah, Caden Korzak. Caden Korzak. You're, you're legitimately yeah. ten deep in terms of defense. Like right? they're like, so deep at that position. Yeah, and it's it's the 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 thing is. I don't feel like there's a lot of separation mm-hmm. from Nick Hague. I shouldn't say that because Nick Hague, I think, really, really proved himself a lot in the postseason. He really elevated his game. Sure. And I, I think we were waiting for that, and we've seen that. But I feel like any one of those guys could jump in and play and contribute if they're called upon. And so, not a lot of teams have that luxury. So why wouldn't you call them the best defensive core in the league? Because I don't because think part of being the best is is having the depth. Well, I, I, I think like I think there's teams that have better players. Like I think I think obviously I look at Mir Haskinen in Dallas. I think he's he's a guy. You know he he Quinn Hughes, who we're going to talk about a little later. Uh-huh. Like I feel like well the better, qu- the better better top elite player than than what so, the Golden okay, Knights have. Okay, hold on, let's play a game. You have to win a game tomorrow. I You're want take, to hold the Knights blue line. No, 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 hold on. No, no, no. You want Quinn Hughes over Alex Petrangelo? You have to win a game. Probably not. You want Miro Haskinen over Alex Petrangelo? I think that one's debatable. Do I'm? It, it's it's no debate. Do you want them or no? I I, I would take Miro Haskinen. Yes. Really? Yes. You would take Haskinen over Petrangelo right w- now. Right now, two I time would. Stanley Cup champion. I know. I know. I would take Petrangelo over Hughes. But I, I feel like like Haskinen is one of the rare guys who's who's who I would take. I just feel like he 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 is as elite as they come. Okay. So you I I'm I'm just I'm I'm gonna go through this right now because I find it interesting. Okay. You mentioned one player in terms of Dallas, right. Miro Haskinen. Uh would you do you consider them a better defense than Vegas? No. Okay. So the Golden Knights still come come through there as the better defense in totality. Yeah, I think okay. so. So who else do you think is is better defensively or has a better defense core than the Vegas Golden Knights in the National Hockey League? Hmm. Because it's I, not many. I, I no, there's not. I, I'd have to look at every team from mm-hmm. top to bottom. Yeah. Like I feel like maybe, uh, man. I'd have to I'd have to really think. Like I, I I I don't think there's a lot. I don't think that there's anybody. Like I, I think, feel I like think... the depth is 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 really what and I guess maybe 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 where I'm getting lost here is mm-hmm. I think there's teams that have a better one two pair. Sure. But as a as a unit, like I, I, I think I, I think I'm on I, I what I'm trying to say is 
As a unit, I, I, I'm with you. I don't think there's anyone who's better one through six in the Golden Knights. Yeah, you're not touching Kale McCarr and Devin Tapes. Right, right. But there's there's still some question marks in terms of depth when it comes to the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, like the like they're like like three through six. I'm gonna I'm gonna run through the Dallas Stars right now. Miro Haskinen, like I'm giving you that. Like, sure, you want to talk individual player, phenomenal. Like Esselindel, good. Not, not, but not, elite. not like tur- not, not going to turn the page for you. Ryan Suter, old, demonstrably bad. Yeah, benched in a in a key game. Yanni Hockenpah, I like him. Thomas Harley was a revelation, but but still young and, and yeah, has a lot of lot lot, lot, of, lot of holes in his game. Like I, I I don't look at the Dallas Stars as as coming close to the Golden Knights yeah. in terms of the entirety of the defense. I I, I think their first pair is better. Because because of Hayes, I don't even know that I'd go there. Like they they couldn't get it done in the postseason because Haskinen was playing a ton of minutes, and they had him paired up with Ryan Suter. Yeah, well, that was that was a that's how a many mistake. plays did Ryan Suter hand on a silver platter? To oh, he was he was terrible. It was bad. He was really bad. So like top pair, no, you don't you don't even have that win. But I, I like Lindell and 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 Haskinen as a pair. Okay. I don't think that there's many teams, if any teams, that can touch the Golden Knights one through six. No, one and, through six. No, and, I I don't think so. And I would I would even like branch that out. I, one through ten, not even close. Yeah, there's I mean, nobody when, that can when, touch. When we've the got Knights. guys like Braden Pahal, who by right. the way got his name on the cup. Yeah. So I mean, he was a, he was a guy who factored in for the team. Like I said, I think Ben Hutton is playing mm-hmm. minutes for a lot of teams around the league. So a lot of teams miss the boat on him. So you've got the Golden Knights, who I, I would argue have the best defense in the league. You've got the Golden Knights, who are pretty well set in goal, right? Like, yeah. I, you look at Aiden Hill. You look at Logan Thompson. Like, are they? Is it? Is it a prove me year for both guys? Absolutely. But it was a prove me year for them last and year. And they 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 were and up to the challenge. Logan Thompson became an All Star, and Aiden Hill. Absolutely set the world on fire when he when he got into the playoffs. Yeah, guy, guy, and, and he cemented himself as a Vegas legend. Yeah, hundred percent. When he showed up at the parade in a Larry Johnson jersey. Are there teams out there where you're looking at goaltending? And, and let's not go league wide. Let's just kind of keep it to the Western Conference. Even even the Pacific Division. Like, is there a goaltending tandem or a goalie in the conference that that you look at and you say, okay, you know what, they're leaps and bounds better, but. You know the Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, like like obviously I, I think Thatcher Demko is a good goalie. Sure, but I don't look at the Pacific Division as a whole, and I mean I, mean, I certainly I'm not scared of Stuart Skinner and Jack Campbell. Mm-hmm. I think Seattle, not that great. Like that's that's I mean good good enough. Philip Grubauer was better. Yeah, good enough. Yeah. But I don't I don't think it's I I don't think as a, as a tandem. Sure. I don't think it's better than what Vegas has. Okay, so. We're not concerned. LA about not sold. We're not. Well, who knows? Yeah, that's going to look like. I mean, certainly not Anaheim. So, I had this. I I asked somebody. Actually, it was, it was Ben Goats. Is John Gibson good? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't think so. Like, if you could have gotten John Gibson out of Anaheim five years ago, three years ago, yeah, three years ago, yeah. But I think that it's irreparable at this point. Yeah, he's damaged goods. Okay, so. Goaltending-wise, you're not concerned about the Golden Knights. Nope. Defensively, you're not concerned about the Golden Knights. Nope. From a coaching aspect, I'm putting Bruce Cassidy up there against literally anybody. I think he, he John he's, Cooper included. Yeah, he's he's clearly one of look. 
You look at his track record in Boston, mm-hmm. and now you look at the fact that he's won a Stanley Cup with the Golden Knights. Yeah. He's clearly an elite coach. He knows what he's doing. He knows his system. He has absolute belief in it, and he's got the right players. And he play. believes in his guys. Um, offensively, forward lineup, you know, it's going to be interesting because you've got to find a way to – I don't want to say like I, last week I said replace Riley Smith. You can't replace what he brings. No, to the table. irreplaceable. It, it's it's the leadership. It's the penalty kill. It's the power play. It's all situations like you you can't do that. But there are enough players I think within the Golden Knights organization that are trying to take that next step. You think Paul Cotter? You think Paul Um, You know we're not talking too much about Brendan Brisson, but I would expect that that's something that starts to Whoa. to push up mainly because. You need a shooter on that second power play unit. Well, I think that they they, while you can't replace Riley Smith with one guy, yeah, it's by committee. By committee, I think they can get the job done. So, like White Cloud steps up in the leadership role. I think I, I think that Jack Eichel's the guy on the penalty kill, and we'll flesh that out a little bit more as we go along here. But with with all that being said, like on the ice, I don't know that there's anything there that you look at for the Golden Knights and you say there's a massive roadblock. Like you need things to break your way. You need to get production from your players. Like you need Will Carrier to be about as good as Will Carrier was last year. But he year. gets you better need, every year. You need Nick Waugh to keep taking steps. You need Brett Howden to continue to move in the right direction and take steps. You need Michael Amadio to to do the things that he did in the postseason that allowed him to be in the lineup. You need him to do that over the course of 82 games. But the biggest hurdle to me, the biggest roadblock that you can put is not unique to the Golden Knights. It's injuries. It, it's it's going into a season with a shortened offseason, so less time to train, less time to heal the injuries, less time to to really get yourself dialed in to peak to, to start the regular season. To, to me, that's going to be the biggest factor in all of this is to whether or not the Golden Knights are able to kind of live up to the expectations that we have because – when you win one, you want two. When you win two, you want three. When you win three, you want four. You don't want to stop. It's a feeling that's never going to go away. For all the players that were in that locker room, for all the players that were on that ice, for all the players that were in that photo, immediately after the Golden Knights won the championship, you want your next one. Yeah. You're already thinking about it. Of course. Organizationally, you're already thinking about it. So I, I if, if if that's not your goal, why are you even playing? Exactly. And so to me, it's not so much about anything on ice. You're bringing back effectively the exact same team minus Riley Smith. And that's a big hole, no doubt. But it's more or less 19 out of 20 guys that you had in the lineup going into game five. They're in your lineup. That, to me, puts you ahead of, of the pack. And it's more so extenuating circumstances that are that that are going to arise and what 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 I think you should feel confident in if you're a Golden Knights fan is that Vegas dealt with that throughout the season last year like you want to you want to look at a team that has the depth to be able to deal with injuries that has the ability to move through those pockets in a season where you're missing key players and still find a way I think you hit it right on the head this is a team that two years ago, lost their captain, and they were right in the mix, but they just weren't able to kind of figure out all the pieces. 
Last year, they figured it all out. They figured out how to win without Mark Stone, and it made them more dangerous with him in the lineup. They figured out how to survive stretches without Alex Petrangelo in the lineup, and that made everyone else around them better. Zach Whitecloud got better. Nick Haig got better. Everything came together, and they had beautiful health, amazing health throughout the course of the postseason run. But, you know, you, you go into this season, and I think with, with all things being equal, if we're looking at this objectively as Golden Knights, as a Golden Knight fan, if you're a fan, or someone that covers the team, like, this team's got everything in place to go on another deep run. They've got everything in place to win in the regular season. They've got everything in place to challenge for a division title, and they have all the pieces right now, and you would expect if there are holes in the game, they'll be addressed at the trade deadline. They have everything moving in their direction to put an honest, honest effort into repeating. Well, it, it begins with Jack Eichel. Like, I think he established himself as one of the premier players in the NHL mm-hmm. in this postseason. Okay. Like, everything clicked for him. Yeah. I think he had the right coach. Mm-hmm. I think he had the right players around him. Like, he is obviously... I, I, I think this was as as perfect of a of a story as you could have written for Jack Eichel. And you mentioned, you get that first one, you want the second one. Yeah. I feel like Jack Eichel is not going to be satisfied with just one. Okay. We're going to take a break, but I have a, I have a thought experiment for you in the break. And I know it's going to be difficult because the Jets are playing. And is, Aaron Rodgers already got hurt. Is Jack Eichel one of the best overall players in the league? We'll come back with one-timers next. Carlson left corner. Centered one-timer score! It's time for one-timers. One-timers. A quick look at news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. One-timers brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. News and notes from around the National Hockey League. So last week, Matthew Nice says of Austin Matthews, he's the best overall player in the game. I had my take on it. I'm not there for Austin Matthews. I I can see maybe an argument to be made, but I'm not there on on Austin Matthews. And Chris Chapman, it it was important to you to throw your take into the hat on this one. So please, by all means, the floor is yours here on One Timers. All right. Um, Matthew Nyes on Austin Matthews. Yeah, by the way, still first day back. I should have let the music play a little bit longer. But uh, Matthew Nyes, look, he said the right thing mm-hmm. for his teammate, right? Okay. You, you have to say that. Yeah. But when you say best overall player. Sure. I think well-rounded. A guy who does a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Guy who can kill penalties. A guy who could play on the power play. A guy who scores a ton of goals. A guy who could generate offense. Patrice Bergeron is what you're talking about. Well, He's not in the game anymore, but he certainly would would have been my pick if mm-hmm. or in my my top two or three. Sure. But my initial thought was a defenseman. Guy who has won the Calder, guy who's won a Stanley Cup, guy who's won a Norris, and a guy who's won a Conn Smythe trophy. Kale McCarr. Like, I don't know how you could go any other direction than Kale McCarr. He he kills penalties. Mm-hmm. He's Dynamite on the power play. Sure. He's obviously dynamite five on five. 
what he does when he's got the puck on his stick, he's like a, he's like a forward mm-hmm. when he's got the puck. Yeah. Like, I felt like it was a bit of a no-brainer. So here's the thing. In terms of overall players on the Toronto Maple Leafs, Mitch Marner is more of an overall player than Austin Matthews. I would say that that's probably accurate. In terms of overall players on the Edmonton Oilers, I would say that Leon Dreisaitl is more of an overall player than Connor McDavid. I would agree with that as well. That doesn't mean that Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews aren't the two best players in the game if you're only using the metric of how many goals can they score and how many points can they put up. Okay? Like, I get it. Fine. But as soon as you introduce the word overall, I I tend to think that you're onto something. And it's outside the box thinking to to include a defenseman. I love the idea that you have in your mind of throwing Kale McCarr in here. But what I asked you before we went to break is, would you put Jack Eichel into the category of best overall player? Not right now in this moment. But think back to what he was able to do in the postseason. Think about what he could potentially do over the course of this season if there's more demand on him from a defensive aspect and if he is the guy that kind of picks up a lot of the slack on the penalty kill that Riley Smith's absence leaves. I think playoff Jack Eichel, absolutely. I think he's certainly in the discussion because what we saw from that man in the playoffs Mm -hmm. was a guy who was maybe the best player in the NHL in the playoffs. I mean, he was that good. Hard to argue against it. Like, and I think you make the case that he kind of, I don't want to say that Marshall didn't win the Conn Smythe, but I felt like Jack kind of really, really helped Jonathan a lot mm-hmm. in winning that Conn Smythe. And, and the play that stands out to me, for Jack Eichel in the playoffs, and I'm no way saying this is an original thought because I'm sure a lot of other people feel the same way. Sure. When he stripped Connor McDavid yep. in that series, I think it was, what, game one? Stole the puck right off his stick, fires it three-quarters of the way down the ice into an empty net. Mm-hmm. That's a, a play that I don't know if Buffalo Sabres Jack Eichel makes. Well, Buffalo Sabres Jack Eichel isn't in that position. get to play in the playoffs. But... Vegas Golden Knights, Jack Eichel did, and <laughs> yeah. Vegas Golden Knights, Jack Eichel won a Stanley Cup. Yeah, so so I don't I like the elevation of his game. Yeah, it, it was ridiculous. It, it was it was like I mean he was he already had a great season, mm-hmm. but the elevation to be able to turn on that switch to go from good yep. to elite player. That's an elite player, and thing. and and that's in lockstep with with Rita and one of her hot takes is that Jack Eichel is going to have a, a, a over one hundred points this season. I don't think you need Jack Eichel to be a 100-point player. I really don't think you need to. I think you need Jack Eichel to be a point-of-game guy, and I think you need his commitment to defense as steadfast as it was during the playoffs. And if you get that, you've got a a potent mix there for the Vegas Golden Knights. But I, I like your thought process on Kale McCarr, best overall player. Again, hit us up at Ryan Hockey Guy at Magnum702 on Twitter. Let us know who you think the best overall player, complete player in the game is right now. It's not Austin Matthews. I hate to break it to Lee fans. No. I, I really do. Quinn Hughes named the 15th captain in Vancouver Canucks history. Hughes enters his sixth season in the National Hockey League. Fastest defenseman to hit 200 career assists, accomplishing that feat in just 263 games. Nearly a point of game player last year. Um, are you Are you good with this, or are you a little bit surprised that it's not Elias Pettersson? 
I'm not surprised it's not Elias Pettersson. I think he he's a bit more of a quiet guy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's the 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 direction you want to go with mm-hmm. your captain as as a little more of a quiet player. Yeah. Um, I I don't think we realize how good Quinn Hughes is until he's we we really dive into the numbers. He's unbelievable. Um, you know, like he he was elite on a really bad team last year. Yeah. And I'm I'm fine with it. I I I think look he he's a guy who's who's long term contract. He, he he's going to be there for a while. He's a guy who who is probably your best player. Certainly in the discussion for your best player. Mm-hmm. So. I'm fine with it. I like Quinn Hughes because he cares. And it's not the type of caring that you're going to see in terms of Quinn Hughes jumping into a scrum. He's he's a little guy. He knows what to do. He's not going to sit there and take unnecessary abuse on the ice. You can't hit Quinn Hughes. You just can't do it. He's he's that good, that elusive. He in the same way you talk about Kale McCarr, plays a very similar type of game on the blue line almost positionless. You can count on him in certain situations. He's just a gamer. He just is. Now, all that being said, I think for Quinn, the 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 aspect of having that ownership now of the team, of having that letter on his jersey, of being the guy, I think his personality can take it, right? Like he's Jack Hughes's older brother. And we know what kind of personality Jack Hughes has on him. Quinn's got a very similar one, maybe a little bit more laid back. I think he can handle the media, the pressure that comes with playing in a Canadian market. But more than anything, I think he cares. I think he wants to win. And and you need a captain. And you, you have no better example than Vegas. You need a captain that wants to win hockey games. You need a captain that hates losing as much as he loves winning. And that's... That's what you say about Mark Stone. I think that's something you could say about Quinn Hughes. Yeah, I I want a guy, and and it's it's funny because I know we're years away from this, but Zach Whitecloud, like like his mentality. Mm-hmm. I don't play this game to lose. Yeah, I want first of all, I want a locker room full of players with that mentality who are willing to say that to a man. Mm-hmm. We're not here to lose. We're here to win, but especially from a guy who wears a letter on, on his Jersey. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't think I realize, and, and I think I had the conversation with you last week about, I didn't realize, and, and maybe I should have, but the drive that a guy like Alex Petrangelo has. Sure. Like you didn't see it until the playoffs last year when he really became the guy that they needed in, in a lot of situations. That's why if you give me one game, and I got to win it. I'm taking Alex Petrangelo over Miro Haskinen. It, it, it's just one of those things where, where like, I want, I want my guy, mm-hmm. like you said, to hate to lose. Yeah. Like, to me, it's never an option. Like, I want a guy. Look, I, I don't want a guy who dwells on it. Sure. But I want a guy who, who after the game, is angry. Mm-hmm. Like not high-fiving guys or, or shaking hands with, with his friends and smiling. I want a guy who takes it personal. We got to figure out the music in this segment. It's it's weird without Yeah, without music. music it is. Yeah, okay. I know. Let's move on to my hot take. Mike, I know you've waited a long time to hear this. Mike called in in, in first segment hour number 1 and Mike said flat out, "I'm calling the Buffalo Sabres not only to make the playoffs, but the Buffalo Sabres to make the final 4." 
the final four. Buffalo hasn't been to the to the playoffs in over a decade, and Mike is picking them to go to the final four. Well, here's the thing. I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna be so bold as to say final four for the Buffalo Sabres, but I am going to say this. Devin Levi, who's entering his first full NHL season, who got some time last year as the Buffalo Sabres were trying desperately to get themselves into the playoffs, who played phenomenally. You want to talk about goaltending prospects that, that get you excited. Devin Levi is that guy. Devin Levi wants to level up going into this season. Here's my hot take regarding the Buffalo Sabres. Devin Levi will backstop the Buffalo Sabres into the playoffs and will be a finalist for the Calder Trophy. And I'll be so bold, because I'm not talking about lukewarm takes here. I'm talking about hot takes. I know everybody in the world wants to give Connor Bedard the Calder Trophy. Not only will Devin Levi be a finalist for the Calder Trophy, Devin Levi will win the Calder Trophy. That is a spicy take. That's spicy. I mean, like... Is it spicy? I think so. Devin Levi to... to to lead the really Sabres into the playoffs? And... I mean, listen, it hasn't happened in forever. So What, the Sabres making the playoffs? Exactly, okay. exactly. But the point is, like, the fact of the matter is, Levi's that good. I truly believe that. And so if he gets on a roll and you start winning games, as much as Connor Bedard, you sit there and you talk yourself into, okay, well, if he's got 60, 70 points, is, is, that, is that A, enough, and B, is that the best rookie season? No, it wouldn't be. If you've got Devin Levi and he's got 30 wins on the year and he gets the Sabres into the postseason for the first time in forever, that's your Calder winner right there. I'd, I'd like to agree with you, but I just feel like there's going to be... I don't, I don't know how much people pay attention to what's going on in Buffalo. Stop. Like the voters. That's a massive market. And it's I, on the East Coast. Yeah, but Bedard's in Chicago. Let me okay, every, every, okay, hold every on, game hold on, hold of on. his is going to be under a microscope. Sure. Like it's going to be a national what, story every what, time he does something. What do you think Connor Bedard's point totals are going to be for his first year? Well, I think the Blackhawks are going to be terrible, so I don't think they're going to be great. What are they? What are they? What did you say? 70 points? That's what most people think is realistic. I think that's high. I okay. We've been spoiled by Connor McDavid. Yeah. We've been spoiled by Austin Matthews to a degree. We've been spoiled by Sidney Crosby, and we've been spoiled by Alex Ovechkin. Like, we think when we hear the, the term generational player, you're expecting 100 points. Well, we heard generational player a couple years ago with a guy who ended up in the Rangers. Ah, come on. That's the Rangers. The point I'm trying to make here is, given all the hoopla surrounding Bedard, is 70 points... 60 points, 70 points. Like, is that where you look at and say automatic slam dunk? He's the Calder trophy winner? I don't think so. Yeah, 60, I, think need, I, I, I think 60 points probably doesn't get the job done. I think you need more given, and, and again, it's, it's the unfair advantage of being a guy or disadvantage of being a guy that has been built up and built up and built up. Like Connor McDavid doesn't win the Hart Trophy because he doesn't shatter his pace of uh, over 100 points in 56 games. 
Austin Matthews scores more goals. He's held to a higher standard. I think the standard for Connor Bedard is higher than it's going to be for anybody else in their rookie season. And that's the reason why if you are Devin Levi, it's right there for you. You have a phenomenal year. You backstop a team that cannot make the playoffs into the playoffs. I think that that carries more weight than if Connor Bedard hits what we expect him to, but those expectations aren't necessarily in line with the likes of Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby. That's my thought process on it. When you really break it down, I don't know that it's as spicy a take as everyone's going to think that it is, but that's my hot take, Mike. I hope it made you happy. And those are your one-timers for today, Monday, September 11th. We're back to catch up with Chapman. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. All right, Ryan, I know you don't do the oh, Christopher thing, but uh, so many different what directions I could have gone today, right? Mm-hmm. First, first day back in studio. Uh, by the way, I cut the music there too. What am I doing? But start with the fact that you may notice that I have a different look today. Mm-hmm. I am now wearing glasses. I, I had to, to get glasses over the summer. Um, 44, doctor said to me I had a good run. Mm-hmm. And I only needed the readers. But he told me that my my vision was was not going to get any better. Yeah, he said it's going to get decline. Sure. So I knew me, and I knew that I would lose reading glasses because the constantly taking them off, putting them on, taking them off, putting them on. Yeah. So I I decided to go with the progressive glasses. So uh, if you see me out in the street, or if you see me at a game, I will be wearing glasses. And uh, you know, I, I thought I wasn't going to like it, but I actually don't mind it. It's, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. How long did the adjustment period last for you? About two weeks. Yeah. The the big adjustment was driving because sure. I I like to look at everything when I drive. Mm-hmm. I scan the road. Yep. And I noticed when I looked to the side, it was a little blurry at first. You got to move your whole head. Yeah, yeah. So there 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 was that adjustment, but other than that, like it's it's not too bad. Um, it's definitely different because like when I when I Go to sleep at night. I sometimes forget to take them off. What? It's like, well, I've just gotten used to wearing them. You, you lay down with the glasses on your Well, face? yeah. At, at the first few nights I did, yeah. And I'm oh, like, man. oh, wait a minute. That's that's not right. Yeah. The other night I tried to jump in the shower with them on. That's not good. No. Fortunately, I caught myself. But, yeah, it's 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 a new look. And, and I dig the frames. I, I, I actually. You went like Eugene Levy frames. Yeah. You you went hard on the thick-rimmed glasses. What? 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 I wanted that decision. I wanted something bold and something yeah. that really stood out. Doesn't, I actually was doesn't sound like you at all. No, I was actually looking for something colorful. Yeah, but okay. the ones I found looked more like sunglasses, and I didn't want that. I wanted like actual glasses. But as as a glasses wearer, yes, welcome, welcome to the rest of your life. Yeah, I like yours. They're, Thank they're you. stylish. Yeah. They they suit you. Yes, that's is the best way that I could put it. Lindsay said the same thing. She said <laughs> she said they definitely are your personality. So I like Eugene Levy. That, that's a good comparison to the frames. I was thinking Danny DeVito and It's Always Sunny. No, oh, it's it's Eugene. Yeah. Canadian icon. Yeah. Hey, by the way, mm-hmm. when we get John Shannon on, I have a, a new open for John. Okay. Featuring a Canadian icon. So just to whet your appetite a little bit for the first time we get John on. I don't know who this is. Oh, you'll like it. I, I think you will like it. All right. Well, we'll get John Shannon on soon. We'll be with you again tomorrow, 4 o'clock, BGK Insider Show. Have a good night, everybody.